Hello and welcome back to Organic Life with Alisa Avocado. Thank you for tuning in again today. And today we're going to be talking about um, my home birth story. I thought that's an interesting story. I actually haven't really ever articulated properly after my birth, I, which was two and a half years ago around. And um, I've written like an article about that I was pregnant for 10 months. Uh, you can check it out on my blog. I will leave a link in, in the description. But I never really like talked through or written anything about the birth itself. So in the beginning, I was kind of um, overwhelmed. And then, of course, the baby sucks you in and then you tend to forget what happened and you tend to not have time for personal projects in the first year at least somehow. So therefore it kind of like got lost. So I would like to reflect honestly on that story uh, two years later. And especially also I would like to dedicate this um, episode to my dear cousin who's expecting to give birth very soon in Florida so um, maybe she can uh, um, get inspired by anything out of the story or or not or whatever because I never really took the time to ever tell the story properly to anybody really so whoever ever wanted to hear it so I got pregnant in in Dahab and in the beginning of our pregnancy we thought that I'll give birth in Cairo in a hospital like this was very clear to me that this is what's going to happen but after spending my entire pregnancy in Dahab and meeting with different minded people than the ones I was kind of used to uh, because I didn't really, I mean, I've been talking to some ladies here and they said like home births are very normal in their environment, even even in the Western world, back home or whatever. It was not normal for me. I didn't know anybody. And I think, I mean, from my previous basically life, I don't know anybody who had a home birth. So this was not something I was surrounded by. Um, I met two wonderful ladies who later became my friends in the pregnancy yoga class wanted to have a home birth at the ages of 38 and 42 so which completely made me rethink my priorities and made me ask myself like hmm interesting both of them want to have a home birth so uh, either like I got into a place where different minded people kind of have different priorities or I don't know I had to think whatever was happening on top of that I met the wonderful doula her name is Uliana, who helped us, uh, who helped me and helped many ladies in Dahab have their babies. And she made me so comfortable and safe that, and also my husband, that uh, over the course of time, we kind of took distance from the original Cairo plan and got pretty comfortable with the fact of having the baby here at home in, in Dahab. Um, and also throughout my entire pregnancy, I met many women who had their babies in the sea or just at home in the pool or um, I mean also some in the hospital if they had to 
but I grew convinced over time that I can do that too and I felt like a very strong feeling that I wanted to be the keeper of my pregnancy and I was sure that my interests are not going to be protected in any hospital as a matter of fact not even only in Egypt or in any other country like I felt that also the birth stories from my friends back at home were not any better um, in, in, in the type of interventions which been done so I feel we as women completely have surrendered our privileges to the doctors because we were induced with fear about birth and that we need need to um, make them birth our babies that we cannot do it on our own so I was sure I can do it myself and I didn't want any interventions I'm not going to be able to refuse once in a state of labor because we become very vulnerable and I understood that when you're in a state of pain when you're in a state of like weakness when you are uh, having surges and every couple of minutes that it's very easy for doctors to make you do what they think is right so therefore um, I wanted to protect myself from the beginning not to have all the <laughs> options um, because I knew that I'm not going to be able to stick to my plan once I, st I step foot into to a hospital, especially here in, in, in Egypt. And I just feel that the medical system doesn't care about the mother's well-being as long as she and the baby are alive. This is kind of the baseline <laughs> that they're just alive. And, uh, but this is not good enough for me. I didn't want to be cut, I didn't want to have any C-sections if it's not absolutely necessary and I feel it's in the most cases it's not. Um, and I believed in the amazing benefits of vaginal birth. I didn't want any inductions or anybody pushing anything out of my body and I also didn't want to be told that I need anything. and. I needed to withstand this pressure like I didn't want to be in a, even in a situation where someone tells me something and I needed to make a decision I really didn't want even that that I needed to withstand pressure against the doctors or anything else I simply it's because I simply don't believe that my priorities are aligned with the priorities of the medical system I want to have labor which takes me, takes the time it takes and I understand that people in the medical system have different priorities. I want to, um, they want to go home for dinner. It's a, it's a capitalist system in the hospital. They're a business which they need to run. It's easier for them to know when the births are going to come in and when the births are going to happen and it's just not very convenient for them to have births which take 30 40 hours sometimes or even less so i understand that nobody is going to take my my natural birth process and nobody's going to respect my natural birth process uh was i afraid that something might go wrong honestly no i didn't want to allow myself to think this way everything will go right and it will be wonderful. This is, was my attitude. And honestly, I didn't stop there. <laughs> I, 
I also learned about orgasmic births, which can be or which should be ecstatic. So where you don't feel apparently any pain with the proper preparation. So I would like to give you also a breakdown about ecstatic births. Um, I'm sure that many of you haven't ever really heard about it or heard that it's possible and um, therefore it's a concept which is very dear to my heart and um, this is why I want to give you a little bit of um, information about it. So the philosophy behind that believes that the ownership of the birth process was taken away from the women and that we've been induced with the belief that we can't do it on our own that it's way too dangerous and pretty much every image you've ever seen in your life uh, was a woman having a baby in a hospital and that the whole experience is painful and that she needs to lay down on her back and that there's um that there's a keeper of the of the of the pregnancy who is usually um a white man doctor although you know organically we've been doing this on our own for pretty long and only recently we've expected to need to deliver babies outside of the comfort of our house this is something which is very very recent and if you know anything about birth then you know that the hormone which is enabling labor is oxytocin the love hormone basically the thing which made the baby from the beginning also brings it into this world so this is how perfect our bodies are so if you think about how oxytocin is created then think about how hard it is to be created in a hospital Oxytocin is created in darkness, in a cozy environment, um, through, through an atmosphere with, with your loving partner. And so just take the, take the, <laughs> um, the environment in a hospital and then just the lights and the strange people who are coming in and out and telling you what to do and uh, then you're laying down on your back which is not necessarily even like a natural position or like even a comfortable position to even have a baby and um, honestly it's kind of a miracle that we can have babies despite the fact that we need to do so in the hospital and um, my point here is also that also often it happens that you are pretty advanced in your birthing process and then you're coming into the hospital and then everything around the hospital and the drive there is actually the reason why um, why the birthing process stops and doesn't really go on and then intervention need to be need to be done actually in a hospital is the most inappropriate place for for someone to feel cozy and safe and and, and nice and so in order to create a more appropriate birthing environment according to the principles of um, ecstatic birthers let's say 
it's a dark room where you feel very cozy and comfortable be close to your partner hug kiss dance let him massage and comfort you put your birthing playlist you created with music which warms your heart and your baby's heart um, put yourself incense which you love amazing would be a whirlpool or a hot bath uh, which would be very relieving to your pain um, meditations and hypno meditations are very um, very helpful because it's very hard to break through the conditioning you've been induced throughout your whole life that birth is scary and painful and that you cannot do it on your own uh, as well as also controlling the surges which they call surges and not contractions and meditate through them um, it's really hard to break through these these conditions of that it must be painful and that it it is painful <laughs> Um, if you if you if you really cannot break through this so the less blockages there are in your head and between your partner the better and the better your chances are to have a pain-free birth and strengthening of the pelvic floor and the vaginal muscles also help to achieve an ecstatic birthing experience so generally um, birth is supposed to be an ecstatic process where you are closest to God where your body literally becomes a portal between life and death. Th this is the highest point of your femininity, a miraculous process initiating life. Um, also imagine the process for the baby in the hospital, like coming out from your nice, warm, dark womb, being born or being cut out in a wide fluorescent room being very usually cold being immediately separated from the mother washed in water or not or sometimes returned sometimes not depending whether it's a c-section or not immediately being cut off the placenta immediately being separated from the mom um, so hospital births are all about interventions into this divine process because the birthing process does not go according to the clock if the hospital like wants to just preferably have births from eight to five monday till friday and so we need to just need to always keep in mind that the hospitals are businesses and of course they will do everything in order to keep a certain type of schedule and not to keep you there too long so inductions episiotomies c-sections are performed in a too high rate for low-risk women groups um, there's there's research being done that 60 percent in the states that 60 percent of low-risk women group are getting any type of intervention which was not kind of probably necessary and also because actually this is kind of giving hospitals the justification to even keep this process because if if all the women would just come in do it by themselves no interventions needed nothing needed from them then it would kind of basically like make them redundant they need to 
make it like they meet, need to medicalize the birth in order to justify to have the birth in the hospital from the first place so women are being vandalized and left to deal with the traumas of their birth without any explanations and i have actually only one friend from all my friends who gave birth naturally without any drugs or interventions and in a hospital in a in the bath um so i think and i heard also many women have ecstatic births in in in, in hospitals it's possible um also actually home births are are forbidden in 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 many places for example i've heard uh, birthing stories from dubai it's home births are not allowed there i am also today i was talking about it with my doula and she said that in sinai home births are allowed but in egypt home births are not allowed so uh, there is no way to really get like a baby who's been I mean with some bakshish which is local way of getting your way um, to get like a paper from a doctor but there's no process for home births like of how to get the documents after that and um, so this entire concept it's possible in, in in the hospital if you don't want to take the risk of doing it at home um but you need to be very how to say very like clear about what you want and what you don't want and very clear about where you put the boundaries and very clear about what type of procedures or interventions you are ready to do or not because at the end of the day they will make it sound that you need it otherwise you will die or your baby will die and but they cannot force you at the end of the day so it's a little hard especially if it's your first baby to make the decision really what type of interventions are are necessary at this moment or not so often it's like recommendable to have someone with you a doula or some type of other midwife or anything who can uh, like who, who you can trust who can uh, give you consultancy another funny example is also which i heard um many things i've heard by the way by the kim anami um podcast which i recommend very much i will um put a link in my podcast it's called um orgasmic enlightenment so uh, she has lots of stuff about birth and about um, ecstatic birth so, so she said about one of her friends who pitched a documentary to HBO about um, about an ecstatic birth um, and HBO said this is way too taboo this is way below our our belt line um, this is not something we can uh, show so they can show um, pretty much anything from incest and violence and <laughs> anything we've seen in Game of Thrones and uh, queer sex and transgender however um, a woman enjoying and orgasming through her birth 
is not something which is where, where the world is ready for. So I thought this was a very funny kind of example to mention of how taboo is this concept about 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 thinking about it even I, when i heard about it i remember it like blew my mind completely um so yeah let me know if you are interested i can send you some more interesting materials about that so now let's talk a little bit about my own birth <laughs> was it orgasmic I say no straight up it was painful as fuck I think uh, I was a bit too ambitious to want my first birth to be orgasmic also as well as I really didn't do my homework in, in this department um, I don't know if anything would have gone differently if I would but I didn't do the meditations I didn't do uh, I did just do some yoga, I did a lot of yoga, which I think helped me very, very much in birth. Uh, but I didn't do the affirmations, I didn't do, I didn't have the mindset, I didn't, I was mentally not there to have an uh, ecstatic birth in, in no way. So, um, about my own birth, I went to make a, a last checkup. I did a couple of checkups, but last checkup, I went at 40 weeks and which is kind of around the time of my due date and i made an ultrasound here in our little clinic in dahab which calculated that my baby was around five kilo big and uh, they wanted to cut me open right then right there i basically had to run out of the hospital because i found myself like two doctors including the president of our modest little hospital we're trying to convince me how important it is to do a C-section as soon as possible. So I left and I never came back. And then I waited for another three weeks for my daughter to come in her own time. And she did. And uh, I was also sure that she wasn't weighing five kilo. Um, by the way, she weighed 3.9. So my labor started on a Thursday night on our weekly female sauna day in the sauna surrounded by women and my doula was also there because we we're going together to the sauna and um, so my surges started to be more intense uh, than the ones I had previously I had lots of exercise surges which my doula calls them and um, they were around 20 minutes, 30 minutes apart. Um, I also think that the sauna kind of started initiating the process, the hot and cold, and actually I felt always very comfortable there. I, this day was a very good company. We had lots of fun. We made so much jokes that if you're gonna, gonna give birth in the sauna and we have a photographer there and we have someone who's making snacks and we have the doula so it was great fun uh, when i got home from the sauna i decided it was a good idea to make some cottage cheese patties with the raisins and sour cream 
because I thought that I um, it's gonna be a good idea to strengthen uh, myself for whatever is going to come which ended up being a huge mistake I will uh, mention this later um, however yeah so approaching the night the surges started to be shorter apart and more intense and I was taking a bath with candles and listening to one song on repeat which I cannot remember now <laughs> I'm trying to remember what song it was because it gave me so much power I guess and uh, but I don't know what it was I tried to put myself into like a like of a meditative experience inside the bathroom and um, but it was like it just got started getting very intense and uh, and the bathtub uh, is very tight and I was so big because I was basically 10 months pregnant I, I was 43 weeks it was enormous so I had no space in this tiny bathtub and I felt I was uh, narrowed in there and then the surges started being even closer apart and stronger so we called up our lovely doula and she arrived I don't remember the time but close to midnight I, I guess um, however she didn't really do much uh, for the next couple of hours then hanging out with us and my husband helped me through every search and held my hand while I was screamed every time that I can't do that and that I had no fucking clue what I was signing up for and that I'm so full of shit and that I needed him to make it stop so basically the every surge was the same type of story I screamed at him and uh, he, he took it and tried to comfort me tried to comfort me in any way possible uh, I felt pretty restless and then I needed some like I was going into the bathtub then I was too tight there then I went to the bedroom there I was too painful laying down then I let, went to the living room then I went back to the bathtub and um, your buddy my buddy also got rid of everything I was eating in order to make sure that there is nothing in the system um, and it came out out of every hole and uh, pretty uncontrollably during the surges this is something I was warned about and uh, yeah it was whatever it wasn't as bad as I thought it's a bit gross but then I after the surgery I was able to clean it up myself um, so my idea of needing a strengthening snack is complete bullshit once you notice that you or your labor is starting no food absolutely none because you will just spray it out uh, later on and I felt my cervix opening and my entire abdomen contracting to put the baby into the correct position to come out and uh, it went on for the whole night pretty much around uh, 13 hours and I must say it was far from ecstatic I would have taken an epidural like 150 times probably if I had the chance 
I had to think about my friend so often who did the whole thing in the hospital where they, she had all the access to all the drugs and she refused them like I completely this is what I meant from the beginning that when you are in this vulnerable situation it doesn't matter what your principles have been before like what type of plans you put yourself up to this is why you need to protect yourself you need to protect the, the integrity of your own plan because I don't think I w- would have been able to refuse them I uh, drank an opium tea in the morning right before I was completely open to calm a bit down because it was pretty intense and the surges were less than three minutes apart and around uh, two minutes long so I was basically not getting any time to collect myself and then the last uh, phase of labor started the pushing phase this is when our doula had her main role and my husband was uh, (laughs) trying to get a nap next to us in the living room like on the mattress on the floor and while I was screaming like crazy and um, I don't know whether he actually slept or not but um, I was already pretty exhausted and now you really need to push the baby out of you and I think it was pushing for like one hour simply simply the wrong way I feel like um, I was screaming my guts up but I feel like after an hour like she made me she made me realize that I kind of need to push from deeper inside that I was pushing from a wrong place and and then after I feel like I realized how to pretty push properly and we're able to gather some strength for this process I pushed her out and it was pretty fast I feel like after like this one hour of useless pushing I got her out in 30 minutes and in the middle of the living room kneeling down on a chair and she slipped out of my Udula's hands and it was like not very not very not very tall but she kind of like slept a little bit on the on on this like cushion we prepared for her underneath and she was connected to me for another one and a half hours I believe and then I also I was walking around with a placenta I had to birth and honestly I really didn't know much about birth like I remember I was I was super like I was surprised by the fact that I had to birth something else (laughs) after her that I had to birth the placenta she put me on the toilet and put like a plastic kind of container into the toilet and then she's like push a little bit and then something else came out of me. I was not aware that there's another placenta coming of me. So I'm just like, I, and, and I had the guts to do it at home. So, so it's like, I didn't know nothing about birth. I feel like, I feel like as a woman, we should know about birth so much more. Just like as our like genderly responsibility, I am actually like 
was shocked about myself of how much how little I actually knew and um, I guess everything was relatively uncomplicated and let's say in in um, in what is it called in the not exclamation marks but in parentheses according to the plan however you can't really know what the plan is from the first birth nothing really doesn't matter how well you know nothing really can prepare you for that and for some reason i really didn't want to watch like lots of birthing videos and stuff this is i don't know maybe i should have i don't know i know many who did but i felt i didn't want to so but of course i guess it makes it easier if you know more about the birthing process than, uh, than, than, than me maybe or than nothing and uh, I feel like this is also like a recurring story I hear from all these sto- ladies who are like I'm listening to who are telling about their ex-diagibergs usually they don't have it as a first or second baby even like uh, or uh, like earliest second and then often third and fourth um that in the first and the second baby like they didn't really know anything about birth they just came to the hospital and they just let them do stuff to them and they trusted in the system completely and they didn't even think they needed to know anything this is like this is as far as we would go that they didn't even think it's their responsibility to know something so i think this is a little bit also our educational system is uh putting us at this place that we as women are not required to know anything about about this process not from school or not from society not from anywhere really and it doesn't even matter even if you're pregnant somehow still so many arrive at the hospital and still don't know shit about it so but on the other hand i have to also say that every woman has the wisdom inside her and whatever the birth will be trust in your abilities and to to uh like to give to take the decisions for your body and for your baby because um, it's gonna be the first in the line of many decisions you're gonna have to take and there is some there is just simply a thing where you need to trust your intuition and if something doesn't feel right for you because you do have the power inside you and you do have the knowledge and the wisdom inside you uh, even though you're not aware of it so if something feels off it's off there's no no doubt if something feels wrong it's wrong uh, so if it feels right that it takes this time or it feels wrong that it um, you should not take any certain type of interventions or procedures which you feel that you just need more time um, then that's probably right this is probably and if something feels bad then it's bad so um, we just need to also like just trust a little bit more in in our original instincts 
So will I do it again? Absolutely. It was a very painful, but you tend to forget it. And honestly, just uh, it's just amazing how insanely powerful feeling the whole experience was. Um, and that I've done it on my own. And that uh, it's kind of like the start into your motherhood. And that you can take this responsibility and it infuses you with this divine feminine energy. You feel nothing can stand between you and the world. And that you are at the right place at the right time. And that your little human is safe. And it's like a rebirth of, uh, of a sort of yourself. You've left your old self behind. And you've birthed now your new self and your child with it and it's a highly spiritual process and it should not be taking away from all the medicalization so you should try to keep some room for this divine divinity which is inside this beautiful process and um, so yeah this is more or less my birthing story and uh, where I stand considering birth, considering the industrial medical complex. And uh, although I do believe that it's not an option for many women to just do it at home, it's fine. However, um, I just say that it's possible to do it in a hospital and most of most of the women in low-risk group don't need all those interventions and try to stay true to yourself, try to listen to your gut, try to listen to your intuition and, um, and everything will be fine. For example, um, at the end note I would like to mention some statistics of a midwife who is a very, very famous midwife in the States. Her name is Ina May Glaskin, goodness, sorry, it's uh, not right, Iname, uh, and she has statistics of 3,000 births, she has, um, what to say, like, supported, and only 1.7% of her births ended up in a C-section, so this is kind of, like, and in Egypt, it's 55% of births ending up in a C-section. In Brazil, it's 53%. In Germany, it's 35% rising. So there's something wrong with the system. Um, over 60% are getting interventions, some type of ventilation of their bodies, of their vaginas, of, uh, of the process themselves and then they're being left behind with an awful trauma. I've sp spoken to women who've been, who've been ripped apart, basically. No respect, no dignity to her body, to her soul, to anybody who she is. Um, just like a piece of meat which, been, which, which, which was holding her own baby, basically, baking home baby and this is how people are treating mothers so 
just this is uh something i want to give <laughs> on the way just try to try to take responsibility a bit more for your own body and and, and try to find some the divinity process the divine process and and this beautiful birthing procedure which is going to be the first initiation process between you and your baby thank you so much for listening uh, i hope you like this episode about my personal experience and some some more um if you have any questions like always or feedback or anything else i'm always happy to listen and address thank you so much and have a great day